0: everybody. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, December the 14th. It's Mailbox Monday, and I'm going to spend the whole next half an hour answering your questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged.
1: But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your
0: own front door. So it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I have a feeling it looks a lot like Christmas at your house. It certainly looks like that here at the Homeschool Resource Center in Vancouver, Washington, where we are just humming right along. Uh, We are surviving under the tyrannical dictates of a tyrannical, unconstitutional governor, And uh, we're watching the Lord still just doing amazing things and protecting and watching over us. And I know that the same thing is happening for you guys wherever you are. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus this year. I know that it's been rough, but I also am hearing really, really amazing things from you. Today is Monday, and today I'm going to answer questions from listeners. But before I do that, before I get into those questions, I wanted to say thank you to a few of you who've been. Uh, sending donations here through DonorBox to Heidi St. John to the podcast. Rebecca in Florida. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Susan in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Susan. Melissa from Indiana. Lisa in Eden Prairie, Minnesota and Ginger in Pennsylvania. You guys have been an encouragement to us and we just wanna say thank you. Another thing that we would love to see is for you guys to send us uh, Christmas cards. You know, I love to see your Christmas cards coming in the mail and we're starting to get those here and we just really appreciate it. You can send them to us at 11100. 11100. Northeast, 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. We'd love to see pictures of your families. Uh, We'd love to hear how either the Homeschool Resource Center or the Heidi St. John podcast or the books that I've written or whatever, how those things are encouraging you. We would love to hear from you. That's also the way to reach my family directly. And so uh, we'd love to hear from you. So just shoot those to me, Heidi St. John, the Heidi St. John podcast, care of that address and it will get right to us. All right, you guys, you send me the most fantastic questions and I really appreciate them. And so I'm going to answer your questions today. I'm also going to play a couple of voicemails for you. And so the way for you to leave a voicemail for me is to go to anchor.fm forward slash Heidi St. John forward slash message. And uh, we love to hear from you. So I'm going to take just a minute and play uh, a little bit of a public service announcement for you guys from one of our listeners regarding independent bookstores.
2: Hey, Heidi. Thanks for all you do to lead us on the battlefield. I have a quick request to make. I own a small independent bookstore, and even before the Rona Scamdemic Madness, indie bookstores have been struggling. You often will mention Amazon in reference to your books and others you plug on the show. I was wondering if you could use your platform to instead of helping the trillion dollar small business killer Amazon to say to find books at your local indie bookstore. We need all the help we can get. Stay strong, Heidi. We're right behind you through this battle. Thanks in advance from Brittany at Inklings Bookstore. So I actually really
0: appreciated hearing this. You know what? Usually I say Amazon because I'll say, you know, go look for, you know, whatever, Heidi St. John Becoming MomStrong, wherever books are sold. And then people will say... I couldn't find it at my local bookstore. So I'll tell you what, I will start talking more about because I'm a huge fan of independent and small businesses. So I really appreciated that. And we will do make more of an effort. And if you have uh, book suggestions, you guys, send them to me, I wanna hear all about it. All right, next question comes from Amber and she had the unfortunate uh, experience of flying recently on American Airlines. Listen
2: to Amber's question and then I'll answer it. Hi, Heidi. I just absolutely love your show. My question to you is about flying. Recently, my husband and I flew to Florida to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And on the flight, one of the flight attendants on American Airlines stood up and called herself the mask police. And if your mask even fell a little bit down, on your nose, she would tap you and make sure that you pulled it up and um, masked back up. So how do you continue to fly when you're in such complete opposition to these requirements? And is there a way to fly um, for those who are not able to wear masks? We ended up driving home instead of returning on our, our flight because of
1: it.
0: All right Amber so this is the number one reason why Jay and I bought a motorhome. <laughs> like I, I really I don't know what's going on with the airlines uh, someone said to me the other day that that's the only place they would feel like they would be not safe from the Rona. And I was like, you guys, air, airplanes are like the most sanitized places on the planet right now. They've got more chemicals in one of those airlines than I probably have seen in an entire hospital. And then they got the HEPA filters, they're washing everything down, they're steaming everything, they're wearing masks. It's the whole thing. So I, in terms of my health, my physical health, I'm not afraid to fly at all. In terms of my mental health, I absolutely hate it. And I'm a million miler with Delta. And I can tell you right now that the last Delta flight I took, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to cash out my, my miles for money. I'm so frustrated. That's literally where it's at with me right now. And in fact, for my speaking season next year, I am looking, my husband and I are looking to try to consolidate as many of those things in sort of a circle around the country so that I'm not zigzagging driving. But I don't fly anymore unless I absolutely have to. And I will fly. Like I'm not saying I'll never do it and that's it and I'm boycotting. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying for my own mental well-being, I, I, I hate flying. I think they, for, you know, I'm sure a lot of you listening are like, wait, that's not true of my airline. Well, most of the airlines, it actually is true. And some of these guys, you give them, they're like drunk with power. And so they're rude to people. By the time I flew from Washington, DC to Seattle, and think this was months ago, more toward the beginning of COVID, uh, I was in tears. I mean, I, I was literally, you know, I mean, I have, hundred million reasons why I don't wear masks and uh, not the least of which as I suffered for almost 30 years from crippling anxiety. And uh, you put me in a mask for six hours on an airplane and every, you know, every hour they get on the intercom and say, you know, just a reminder, keep your mask up over your nose. And if we see you with your mask down below your nose, we're going to uninvite you from ever flying on our airline again. That is really stressful. It's no way to fly. And so I hate it. And I don't know if things are gonna go back to normal or not. You know, someone asked the other day if they thought that uh, they were gonna start mandating the vaccine to fly. Well, Qantas Airlines just did that. And do I expect in this complete insanity, this complete overreaction that we're having to a virus with a 99.9% survival rate, and how, you know, I mean, we are just sheep. It's crazy. Like, you know, like Bill said the other day, if they asked us to wear tinfoil on our heads, we'd probably do it at this point. If they said, you got to carry a rabbit's foot with you, I'd expect to see people, you know, checking out at the grocery store and showing their rabbit's foot before they checked out. I have no idea where this is going to go, but I can say this, Amber, my heart goes out to you. I had the exact same thing happen to me, and by the time we made it to Seattle, I was so frustrated and stressed out that Jay and I rented a car and we drove home from there. We didn't even finish the second leg of our flight. So uh, I hear you. I will fly if necessary. Uh, If I get an invitation to the White House, I'm a fly. (laughs) But uh, for the most part, I'm liking our little, our little traveling home. Also, you can avoid the apocalypse of insanity, which is the hotel industry right now. Do not even get me started. All right. Next question comes, from Carleen in Boston. Let's go ahead and listen to Carleen's question, and then I'll answer it. We're talking about the rapture.
2: Hi, Heidi. This is Carleen. I'm from uh, Boston, Mass. I have a quick question about the Revelation study, which I've been doing with you. But I'm wondering, it says things like, you know, the dead in Christ will rise first. Um, I've grown up in the church, et cetera, mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib. But my kids have been wondering, what does it mean when the rapture comes? Like, are we going to look like we do? Are we going to act like we do? Um, What happens when the Lord comes back? Are we going to live on earth? Will we have our bodies? What does all of that look like? Will we know each other? These are just big questions for me and my children. Thank you so much.
0: So I love this question, Carlene, what happens to us at the rapture? What's going to happen to our bodies after the rapture? Well, it's a great question and I'm glad your kids are asking it. Uh, I think it's, you know, what we're going to get is a new resurrection body because we're going to be getting, we're going to be need new bodies to go to a new place. So the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout and we're going to be caught up in the air with him. And our earthly bodies are suited for the earthly environment that we live in, but our resurrection bodies are gonna be suited for a heavenly environment. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 43. Our earthly bodies, which die and decay, will be different when they are resurrected, for they will never die. Our bodies now disappoint us. Boy, he's got that right. But when they are raised, they will be full of glory. They are weak now, but when they are raised, they'll be full of glory of power. And I think it's so important, you know, that that you recognize that what we get in heaven is going to be we can't even comprehend it. We cannot even comprehend what it's going to be like. Some people have asked, you know, when we get raptured, do we believe that our bodies are going to remain behind on earth? Right. This was uh this was sort of how I grew up thinking it. Our bodies are going to go and our clothes would be left here, right? So uh which wasn't in the Bible. It's just what I sort of imagine trying to figure out, you know, people on earth trying to figure out where'd all those people go? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Paul said, uh, I tell you a mystery. We're not all going to sleep, but we will all be changed. In Paul's terminology, sleep meant to die. So if we won't sleep, that means our bodies won't die. And so when he said that we were all going to be changed, he meant that our present bodies are going to be transformed from mortal to immortal, and it's going to happen in a moment. And so because of this I don't think we're going to leave our present bodies behind. I think we're just going to disappear. And so I've heard some people talk about, you know, well what happens, you know, what happens to dental work and artificial joints and all that? Is that going to be left behind? That'd be hysterical. But the Bible doesn't talk about it. So I I don't know. All I know is that when we go to heaven, We're going to be so completely changed because remember our earthly bodies are made for this earth. We're going to be so completely changed that I don't think anything of our earthly selves are going to remain, including our sin nature, because we're going to be made to live forever with God. And so I do think that when we disappear, the people that are going to be left behind are going to have a massive mystery to solve. And I was saying, you know, in my Bible study, for those of you who are watching online, I teach every Wednesday on this at MomStrong International right now, working our way through the fascinating book of Revelation. But I noted that I think at the Homeschool Resource Center and at all of our churches, you know how we have, we used to have, you know, when we were kids in school, there was a fire extinguisher, you know, in case of fire, break glass. You could break the glass. It would, you could grab a fire extinguisher and also pull down the alarm and the fire department would come. I just think there should be like, in case of rapture, uh, break the glass or in case of rapture, open this box. And it's gonna have a Bible in it because I guarantee you guys when the rapture happens, there's gonna be people going, oh man, I heard about this. I heard this is gonna happen. And if they weren't interested in the Bible before, they will definitely be interested in the Bible after that. So uh, I think that there's gonna be, the Bible teaches us that people are gonna come to know the Lord after we are raptured out of here. And uh, they, and this is an amazing time for you guys to be telling everybody about the rapture because even if they don't believe you now, they will remember what you said when they see it happen right before their eyes. And I have a feeling a whole lot of people are gonna believe it then. In terms of what our lives are gonna be like in heaven, uh, I it's uh, there's a book called, and I'll link back to it in the show notes today. You can buy it from an independent bookstore. <laughs> uh, but I'll link back to it in the show notes today. There's a book about heaven that was written by Randy Alcorn, who's from my neck of the woods. He's also from Boring, Oregon, and uh, probably the most comprehensive, best book on heaven I've ever read. And it makes us, you know, he makes a really good case for we're gonna have work to do in heaven. You know, work is part of what fulfills us. There's gonna be a job to do. We're not just gonna be up there with a harp singing all day long, although I do think singing's gonna be a massive part of it because worship will be a huge part of it. Uh, but I just think it's, it's kind of an amazing thing to just study heaven, to study heaven. So, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. And I believe that when the rapture of the church occurs, again, we're going to be instantly changed and we're going to be given bodies that are going to be patterned after the resurrected body of Christ. We're going to have a body that's suitable for living with the Lord forever in heaven. And we couldn't stand it to be in the, in the presence of, uh, a holy God in the body that we have right now. So we, we need, we're gonna need an entirely different body. It's gonna be given to us at the rapture of the church. And so a whole generation, this means, is gonna go to heaven without dying. Now we've got a couple of illustrations of this in the Bible, right? Enoch and Elijah who went to heaven without dying, but they're the only exceptions. Everybody else is born, raised, and dies in history. But now here's a whole generation, the generation that's raptured, that's gonna be changed. And this is an amazing thing to look forward to. Whether we're young or Christians or middle-aged or whatever, this is an amazing hope that we have in Christ that when he comes, we're gonna be raptured and our bodies will be instantly changed. So I hope that helps you. Uh, Go ahead and grab that book from Randy Alcorn on heaven. I will link back to it in the show notes today. And if you guys have independent Uh, Bookstores, and you want to send me a link, I'm happy to use them from time to time. All right. Next question, and the last one of the voicemails I'm going to get to today comes from Samantha, who finds herself in a pretty hard situation. Let's listen to Samantha's question.
1: Hi, Heidi. My name is Samantha, and my question to you involves the best way to correspond with and communicate with a very close 21 year old family member who has fallen off the rails as far as liberalism and homosexuality. He was raised in a Christian home. He was homeschooled his whole life, um, went to hybrid homeschool for high school, went on mission trips with his family and even on his own, was saved um, or said he was saved when he was very young. And he went off to secular university and now is extremely liberal, very outspoken about it, and even worse has come out that he is gay and has a homosexual lover and is planning to move in with him when he graduates from college in the next few months. So I want to communicate with him in a loving way, but also confront, you know, his sin. And I'm just not quite sure how to go about that. So I wanted to know what your advice would be.
0: So this is a heartbreaker for a lot of reasons. Uh, It's very, very, it's always hard for me to hear stories about people who say, you know, this kid was homeschooled. He was raised in the church. He went on mission trips. Parents, listen to me. We do not know what choices our kids are going to make. And they get, they reach an age of accountability. They reach an age where they make their own choices. And I'm always telling parents the most important thing that you can do is to teach your children to love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It's love that motivates us to follow him, right? And when we, when we do everything by rote, you know, we go to church because, you know, that's what my parents did. Or I, or I go on mission trip because that's what's expected me or whatever. And we don't foster that love of the Lord. Do your kids really know how loved they are? Uh, Mom and dad, they should know how loved they are. They should know how much God loves them, how he gave his uh, son to die for them, that if they were the only person in the world, God would have loved him enough to send his son. If God had a refrigerator, their picture would be on it. That love piece of it is so important. But now you've, you've watched a child who has grown up in the truth, has walked away from the truth. The Bible has a lot to say about this. You know, I always wonder when this happens, did that person really ever know Jesus? That's always the question that I ask. Because if you really knew him the way that I know him, you just could never walk away. It's this love, this amazing, amazing love. And so Samantha, when you talk about how to talk to this young man, who obviously, and you guys are hearing this this pain, right? In Samantha's voice, these secular universities are killing our kids. They straight up are. Indoctrinating them into wickedness And at the very least, what they want to do is uh, encourage these kids to compromise their faith. And it happens. I hear stories like this weekly here at the podcast. But uh, Samantha, I would say one thing for sure. In terms of talking with this young man, it's all about relationship. How close are you in relationship with him? If you're very close and you've had a close relationship and you've walked in relationship with him and you've talked about difficult things with him before, then it would be a natural thing for you to say, hey, you know, I really want to talk to you. This is on my heart. Can we, you know, have coffee? Could I, you know, I would try to meet with him in person. And the main thing he needs to know at that point is, well, I would find out right away, do you you still believe in God? You know, or do you claim Christianity? If he claims to be a Christian, you've got a very big open door to walk in and say, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot walk this way. This is so displeasing to the Lord and so dishonoring to the Lord. And we don't live, a a true Christ follower doesn't live in perpetual sin. So trying to convince him that he's walking in sin, I think it's gonna be very, very difficult because I don't hear the love piece there. I don't hear that he knows how loved he is by the Lord, by his creator, or that he loves God, right? And so I would say, if you're gonna confront him, uh, bathe it in prayer know when to walk away and leave him with the knowledge that you are praying for him, that you will never stop praying for him, that your love is unconditional, but that the path that he is taking will bring him sorrow in the end. And that's the truth that's the truth. So it's a loving thing when we, when we say to somebody, Hey, the, the road that you're on right now, isn't going to take you any place good. This is going to hurt you in the long run. I think it's probably really important that you leave him with that. In fact, I know it's really important that you leave him with that, that he knows that he's loved, that he knows that the path that he's on is going to bring him sorrow and then leave it at that. Uh, but I believe, and I've, I've told this to parents a lot over the years, the, the, the value, the, the strength of your relationship with him is what gives you permission to speak into his life. And this is why it's so important for us as parents, as aunts and uncles, as influencers in the lives of young people around us, that we build those relationships that they're on solid ground so that when you have to make that that difficult decision to have a confrontational conversation or whatever it may be, that they that they would invite the conversation or at least not spurn you at the door because there's a love there and a mutual respect. So I'm praying for you today, Samantha, and I hope that that helps. All right, Jennifer writes in, Hi, Heidi, I homeschool my kids, but I drive a school bus. This is so interesting. And I have I hear more and more about this. Uh, The kids on my bus now feel uncomfortable not wearing a mask, right? Because we're massively indoctrinating our kids. And this morning, one said to her younger brother that masks are the law in all of the country. This infuriates me. Would you go to the parents and try to educate them? You know, Jennifer, I think, again, it probably comes back to relationship. Do you have a relationship with those parents? If you meet them at the school bus stop every day and, and, you know, hey, how are you? And they give you cookies at Christmas and whatever, then I probably would. I would say, hey, you know, I heard Krista say this to her little brother the other day. And I just want you guys to know, these are not, these are not laws, they are mandates. And there are a lot of people who are fighting to, uh, to make sure they don't become the law. And so if you get an opportunity to do it, if you don't, I would just, I would, you know, I mean, I might be inclined to say, oh, sweetheart, it's not, it's not a law, but I don't drive a school bus. And I don't know if that's illegal. Because goodness sakes, you know, woo! I tell you what, all right, Ellie, I have reached the point where many, including my fellow Christians, think that I am unloving, disrespectful, and disobedient and have thickened my skin to it. I continue to go maskless and try to surround myself with like-minded people. Me too, Ellie. That being said, what gets me is when I hear nurses say how exhausted and burned out they are and they're begging us to mask up. It tugs on my heartstrings. Could you speak to that? Yes, I can. That's manipulative. That's totally manipulative. I know many nurses who are not begging people to mask up because they know how ridiculous it is. And frankly, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, I'm really, 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 really tired of hearing about how these so-called frontline workers, how we're supposed to somehow elevate doctors and nurses to positions of gods in this nation right now and whatever they say we should do. Uh, This isn't true. I used to work in a hospital and I can tell you right now, most of these guys, I mean, this is what you sign up for when you go into healthcare. You literally sign up for it. You sign up to get kids throwing up on you. You sign up to take care of kids with broken arms and kids that are sick in the hospital. My mom worked forever and ever. She uh, had her master's degree in nursing. She worked in pediatric oncology. No one ever called her a hero, but she was a hero to those little kids. And she was a hero to me because she would come home and had the pain in her eyes because it was excruciating watching little, little kids die from a disease as terrible as cancer but i i don't understand how we've got to this point it's like we're being emotionally manipulated you know people that work at hospitals are just exhausted and they're begging you to mask up we just have to do it i just think that is just a garbage way to talk to people so i mean i guess you could say ellie that i'm getting a little hard hearted about <laughs> a little hard hearted about it cuz i'm watching my nation uh, being literally turned upside down by this. This is a virus with a ninety nine point nine percent survival rate. When you get it, it's terrible. Yes, but people die every single season, horribly so, from pneumonia. Uh, people die from the flu, and people are dying from COVID, and that's what that's what doctors and nurses do for a living. So I actually don't understand the manipulation, the man, the emotional manipulation. Is sometimes I think we sort of. Uh, we're, we, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I'm gonna get myself in more trouble in A lot of you are mad. You already turned me off. I'm really sorry. That's just how I feel about it. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's another question I'm gonna just do real clarify really quickly. One of you wrote in and said, you know, that you love my boldness and you agree with almost everything except that you and your husband both work in Chick-fil-A. And so both of your incomes come from there and Chick-fil-A is a franchise. So if we were to close, we wouldn't get paid. So what I said was, I made, I made a comment saying that these small businesses, uh, the, the, and actually Chick-fil-A, I do think is gonna be just fine. They're not gonna shut Chick-fil-A down. This is my extreme frustration with this. This is my extreme frustration. They're gonna shut the little guy down who doesn't have a leg to stand on, who can't offer a drive through. So when I say McDonald's gonna be fine, Chick fil A gonna be just fine, Starbucks is gonna be just fine, it's because those guys have businesses that are massive and they have drive throughs. And so I'm, when I say it's frustrating me, big, big businesses are going and when are the little guys gonna get a chance? I mean it. That's what I mean. So I'm not actually, and I know you guys aren't either worried about. Chick-fil-A shutting down. I mean, the Chick-fil-A here has a line a mile long around it every single time I go by there. They're doing just fine. And so when I talk about small businesses, frankly, I feel like every large business, I would love to see the owners of Chick-fil-A go to the small little guys who don't have drive-thrus and say, how can we give you guys a hand up right now? How can we help you? It actually drives me completely bonkers when I drive into my little town in Battleground, and I see uh, the line around. Uh, I'm seeing the line up around Panda and the line around Wendy's. But little Marianne's Diner, boy, she's closed for good. Mill Creek Pub in Battleground, Washington, shuttered for good. It's wrong, and I keep saying it's gonna. It's gonna take business owners looking at other business owners and caring enough to say, Walmart, I mean, for goodness sake, you guys, why is it okay to shop in Walmart? I mean, why is everybody in in Walmart should be dead right now, according to uh, Fauci? Because certainly the Rona's in Walmart. And you guys, if it's in anywhere, it's Walmart. And so I just feel like at this point, these lockdowns are killing small businesses, absolutely killing them. And it's heartbreaking for me to watch it and I can't be quiet. So I'm not trying to say that Chick-fil-A should close. um, But I do believe that Chick-fil-A is not going to close. I understand they're independently owned, but I'm not worried about them closing for the same reason I'm not worried about Wendy's closing or McDonald's closing. Everybody knows. I mean, most of the time, I don't even go into Chick-fil-A. I drive through. So most of these guys haven't been impacted at all. And so that's what, that's what I'm trying to say. So I don't want, there to be lockdowns. I want there to be no lockdowns. But honestly, if you guys work at a Chick-fil-A right now, I think you should go to your manager and say, is there anything we can do to help some of these small businesses who are struggling to make ends meet and don't have drive throughs Is there anything that we can do to promote them? Maybe Chick-fil-A starts carrying some of their stuff. I don't know. I mean, that's dumb, right? But you can hear my uh, my frustration. Just I'm watching you guys. It's just, I, I don't understand these, these crazy lunatic governors are not are they not cognizant that they're literally stealing people's livelihoods from them at Christmas time? You guys, it's December. We're way past 14 days uh, to flatten the curve. And every single person listening to this, you guys should be angry enough to say, what can I actually do about it? And so that's where that was coming from. So I'm not trying to slam Chick-fil-A. I'm just saying. I think these restaurants that are already used to having drive-thrus are going to be just fine. The fast food restaurants are fine. It's the little guys that are hurting. It's the little shops in places like Battleground, Washington and Camas, Washington and Woodland, Washington and the places where I frequent. Those are the guys who are literally fighting for their lives right now. And I think that local other area business owners, uh, Walmart needs to give a rip about them. Chick-fil-A should give a rip about these little guys and we should start putting our heads together and going, this is wrong. These tyrannical, uh, unconstitutional mandates. How come Chick-fil-A has an essential business because they have a drive-through, but the little guy in Battleground, Washington, Mill Creek Pub, how come he had to close? It's not right. It's not right. Never again, you guys, let anybody tell you who's essential and who isn't. The fact that we have allowed our government to tell certain individuals that they're essential and, and other individuals are not, it's criminal in my opinion. And as I was saying to my friend, Bill Jack, I'm starting to have contempt for the people that are in these positions who have not suffered. Amazon's making, I mean, this is why I played that, that, uh, that young mom's uh, voicemail saying, hey, please, the, indi- the independent bookstores are struggling. Amazon's making trillions off of this. And they're making some money, some money for me because I don't like to go to the store anymore. It's a nightmare. But it's wrong on like a hundred thousand different levels. Do I care that Amazon's making a billion dollars? No, but when Amazon puts somebody else out of business, then it really bothers me, particularly because we've taken away the little guy's right and the little guy's ability to be able to make a living. Amazon's doing just fine anyway, obviously that's a little you know you, you uh you you nicked a little scab on me there, my friend. <laughs> So I hear what you're saying. I'm not mad at Chick-fil-A, but I still think these big businesses need to start these box stores need to start caring about the little guy and helping to carry some of the burden that are tyrannical uh governors and these the ridiculous CDC. I saw a sign in an elevator in uh Washington State the other day. It said, by order of the governor and the CDC, no talking in the elevator. What? I just wanted to put on my, you know, my elf. My little elf cap and just, I'm singing as loud as I can. They didn't say I couldn't sing in the elevator. This is wrong. It's wrong. Our freedoms are being taken from us and people need to wake up and start seeing it. All right. I have one last question today. I went over time today because I played so many of your voicemails, but I had one last question. I thought uh I thought it was really cute. And so I'm gonna read it to you and uh and I'm actually just gonna answer the question because I just thought this is actually kind of cute. So This one came in from Kelly. She said, Heidi, thank you for your wonderful discussions on such important things as faith, scripture, truth, and the Rona. However, things have been so heavy lately. I wondered if you'd be up for a show on girl talk, not about motherhood or being a wife, but just girly stuff. For example, I love the color of your eyeshadow. What do you use and what is your beauty routine? All right. So... Um, I almost deleted your question, Kelly, because I was like, I can't actually talk about that. But my staff was like, look at this question from Kelly from Virginia. That is the cutest thing. You have to talk about it. So here's what I'm gonna do, Kelly. Uh, I'm gonna link back to this in the show notes today, but uh, you're not the first person to ask me about my makeup routine, which kind of cracks me up because I I just hardly, hardly ever think about it. But I will tell you, I am in love with an eye palette. Are you ready? All the men are like, turn it off. Okay, but Kelly asked me a good question, so I'm just going to answer it, okay? It's called Smashbox Cover Eye um, Minimalist. And so it's kind of a small one, but it's mostly just neutral colors because I like the neutral colors. So I will actually link back to that, Kelly, in the show notes today, as well as uh. I have a friend I think who's gonna come on with me maybe next week and we will go over just a fun beauty routine because I do actually have a little bit of routine now that I'm in my 50s, kind of feeling it, but I've been kind of doing the same thing truly by accident since I was in my 20s. So that's the truth. So, Kelly, thank you for that question. I just I appreciated the lightheartedness of it, and uh, I actually think we're going to try to make that happen. So, all right, you guys, that's it. That's all I have time for today. I hope you guys have a fantastic Monday. Love your people well today, moms. Love them well, dads. Hey, husbands, love your wife well. Bring her home some flowers. Everybody loves to get flowers in the middle of the own at wives. You know what to do to put a smile on the face of that man of yours. Make it happen, you guys. Have a great day. A great evening. We sure appreciate you listening. And before I leave today, I want to give a shout out to Ashley in Clovis, California. Thank you for coming alongside and supporting the Heidi St. John podcast. We sure love you guys. Thanks for the reviews that you're leaving, for supporting this ministry, and for sending us Christmas cards and urine donations. And you can do that. Heidi St. John, care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, nine, eight, six, eight, two. We sure love you guys. Have a great day and I'll see you back here tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at the